Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. Here very tired and on our third take. My name's Adam. Yeah, my name's Jared. Adam is making me tired right now. Yeah, I don't even... We had a long woolly game with the Labor Day and it, it was just tiring yeah it's it was funny like um maddie and i didn't have the kids last night they had their first ever sleepover they're at their nana's and woke up this morning refreshed and was having a very energetic day and then within the three or four hours we had them home in the afternoon i'm exhausted (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I can't compare. I only have one kid, so I have no comparison to that at all. My kid, my kid doesn't one baby either. Not even a kid, yet. not even a toddler yet. Yeah, yeah well, I have five months today. So oh, there you go. She's doing this. Happy birthday. She's doing. Okay. Yeah, she's doing this thing now where she gets super tired and just spends an hour screaming her head off because she's tired and doesn't want to go to sleep. Though. Ah. And, it, it is like every night. I'm glad. Sounded like Annabelle tonight. We were waiting for the fucked. cops to be called. Yeah, it's fucked. It's just blood curdling. We get out there. I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah, mine can't talk. Mine just screams. This is a rugby league podcast, and we will talk rugby league, especially the game that we're at on the weekend. The Warriors versus Canberra Raiders down at Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe. We're there as members of the media, uh, the written press, written and media. some pretty pretty funny stories to come out of that, uh, out of the press conference, before the press conference, after the press conference, during the game. Yeah, a whole bunch of things went down, and we'll definitely get to that. We'll have a look at the results for all eight games. We'll look at a halfback shooting up the Dallium leaderboard, who is not Cleary or Daly Cherry Evans. We'll look at some pretty big injuries and numerous injuries, as well as some news for Magic Round next year and the ongoing Cam Munster contract saga. But before we get to that, we'll jump over to the footytips.com website and have a look at the 6N footy timing comp sponsored by Hop Nation Brewing. And a very tough round of tipping with a couple of, uh, let's just say the betting agencies called upsets. One definite, oh, two definitely. The third one, I didn't deem as an upset, but anyway, we'll get to that. The round average was 3.7, which is the lowest it's been this year. And congratulations to Stinson Opulus, who got six highest score in the- Fuck! Comp for us, Stinson Opolis. Yeah, I guess that's how you say it. Um, a whole bunch of us got five, and then the rest were fours, threes, and twos. So with that one, uh, there's been a shift in the overall leaderboard. Toby Hunt is still out in front with a four-point lead on 60, followed by Reggie Sidestep on 56, and a further three-point gap to myself. Jumped up in a third place. Woohoo! And one, two, three, four on 52. But we better start getting on it because that was Toby Hunt's lowest round of the year and it was a five. And like I said, a four-point start. So I don't even think it's fair to go over onto the street competition 
because with Cronulla losing this week and um, yeah, pretty much everyone <laughs> had them on look going on here. Everyone's back to one. Uh, but Crypto Nostradamus, who didn't pick any in round eight, which is maybe the smart way to go. I'd say they forgot, but they're currently on an eight game winning streak, which is currently the longest. Um, the longest for the whole season, however, is still underscore R3 with 15. So remember the streak competition, you can start any week and still have a chance of catching up within two weeks, basically. So there we go. With regards to Nick's picks and our picks, um, if you're not already not listening to our betting advice, you should probably start not listening to it now. All of us lost our tips this week. $10 on Tigers to win and Luciano Lelua to score. Didn't happen. Drops me down to $150.50. Jared had $10 on the Roosters winning with Momorowski and Josh Adokar to score. Didn't happen. I got one part of that, right? Adokar scored. There we go. Twice. And Wall had Sharks 13 plus with Talakai and Molotalo to score. And then Alex Johnson for a double and lost both of those. So that's $14. He's down to 66. Thought you shit out, Wall. I'm winning by elimination. All right, having a look around the league and news stories, and a whole bunch has happened. So we're still waiting on the whole story to come with regards to Brandon Smith's, let's say, tongue slip. Um, not quite sure what to make out of that one yet. One thing that has been doing the rounds is Braithen Astor fiercely defending himself and his client through releasing news that they will definitely consider a Broncos contract if it is forthcoming in the next days, weeks, and months. Melbourne's move to say that they will not be releasing Munster anytime earlier than his contract suggests. Uh, we know that Storm have offered roughly 750000 a season. Dolphins are, have gone all in uh, at over a million dollars a season. And you assume Broncos would move heaven and earth to get Munster there. Um, I really hope he well. become. It, it, it's the same kind of deal as Caleb Ponga. This is. I really hope this is. Oh wait, 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 wait. Oh no! You know, just because Anasta runs NRL three sixty as the, and he's a player agent for Munster, so mm-hmm. it becomes it becomes a Caleb Ponga um, situation. Well, he's defending those free fucking evens. So it'd be great. Yeah, I think, like, I'm sick of this kind of um, dual representation that some of these media players have. Like, to me, Gould shouldn't be commentating whatsoever, and this would be a great example, a great excuse, actually, to get an Astor off the air because there has to be a conflict of interest there. So uh, yeah, I reckon it should just... Personally, I'm thinking this should cancel the whole show. I reckon hey, that, that that would solve a lot of issues for so, I actually saw a, I actually saw a really interesting one on the weekend. Um, did you see who were the tough judge for the West Tigers game on the weekend? No. Casey Badger. Did you see who is the special counsel for Michael Maguire in the back of his box? Ah, uh, Gavin Badger. Ah, uh, look, look, we interviewed Gavin Badger. He's one of the top guys. He's, I doubt it is, but. If, you know, I was just sitting there thinking, oh, that's a different one. I haven't seen that one before. It was cool. Yes. I like it. 
There and Casey, go. as always, does a wonderful job on the touchline, and I can't wait till she becomes a referee in the NRL. She should be any year now, actually. And we talk about 360 being horrible. We would know. We don't watch it. We um, I'd like to say we're smarter than that, but some of you may also listen to 360, so it's not that. It's more just... Rugby League's got enough negativity, let alone two of the most negative people being more negative about it. And yeah. then bringing... Buzz Rothfield and oh, it's, it's a negative uh, show. Like they, yeah. they just There's so many other things they could put on there, like anything. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting news story, more so than a big one, I think. But obviously, with the Dolphins coming in next year, there will be an odd number of teams, and Magic Round's the biggest round of the year uh, with regards to kind of income, I guess, for teams that are hosting the round at Suncorp. So there's a bunch of teams from New South Wales who have home games there as part of Magic Round. One of them is likely to miss out next year because with an odd number of teams, uh, not everyone can play in Magic Round. And it's been you said that... I can guess, yeah. The four Queensland teams are guaranteed to be there. Uh, yeah, Melbourne Storm pretty much guaranteed to be there with their large Queensland following. Um... It'll be the lowest-ranked Sydney team on the ladder this year. Oh, I will say it most likely won't be the Sea Eagles because they've had a long-running partnership with Suncorp Stadium and the Queensland government prior to Magic Round. Tigers uh, or Bulldogs. Yeah, so Manly's been taking home matches there before. Or Newcastle. Yeah. It happened. Um, so to be Bulldogs, Warriors... So, sorry, currently Bulldogs, Sea Eagles, Warriors, Titans, Storm... Sharks, Roosters and Tigers all have home games there at Magic Round and make significant gains and the away clubs receive a small fee. So, yeah. It's going um, to be, it'll be the, have a look at what teams are left. It's pretty much... It'll, it'll, be, yeah, it'll be a pure marketing decision. Lowest ranked Sydney team of the competition at oh, that I, point in time. Either lowest ranked or lowest supporter base in the Queensland region, you'd say. Yeah, um, it's just, it, it will actually be really, really interesting next year. Um, because Redcliffe come to comp, that means there's 19 teams. Seven. No, 17 teams. Sorry, 17, 17. I don't know where I got 18 from. No idea. Um, Charity still in account. That's cool. So for the last... Since 2008, since Gold Coast have come in, they've put two buys around Origin, mm-hmm. and now they're having a rep round, which doesn't really constitute a buy because half the comp will be playing in that rep round anyway. Um, but so essentially, for certain players, you're going to have three weeks off during the Origin, or two weeks off during the Origin period. Next year, there'll be a buy every single week for someone, and it'd be interesting how they work origin around with the buys and that well, kind of stuff. Because they've pretty much already said there'll be six to seven games per weekend still. Well, yeah, I get that. But what I'm saying is where, who gets the buy during origin round? Oh, okay. Save the, save, save the two points and stuff like that because, you know, it, it's impossible to play it, but the, there's going to be an uproar with a team having to supply six or seven origin players. Mm-hmm. To an origin game, but still to play that weekend and not don't and doesn't get a buy during that period. Yeah, and but if they play six games a weekend, that's four teams that'll miss out. Um, 
say per game, four, eight, twelve. Yeah, I'll say I, they I play just, five. I reckon they'll be able to work that. It, it, it'd be interesting. It, it'd be really interesting, and a lot of teams are going to be like everyone's going to be really interested in how this draw goes next year. Like, oh yeah, it's going to be insane. Because one team's so, going to start with a guaranteed two points, which is going to help, but they also won't have yeah. that first game under their belt, and that team's going to finish with a guaranteed two points in the last round. So. And, and yeah, and also, did I get the for and against? So when I was well, local footy, if you got a buy, you get instantly twenty points added to your four. I don't one. know. I can't. Oh, that would be interesting to look into. It's been a while. So, so yeah. little thing to keep an eye out for. All right. Uh, we'll do. There's been one signing. We'll cover that, and then we'll come back with. Uh, hard hits, injuries, and suspensions. So the Warriors have signed up-and-coming Roosters playmaker Ronald Volkman on a three-year deal from the start of 2023. And Nathan Brown actually alluded to this in his press conference, uh, thanks to a question that Jared brought up. (laughs) Uh, 19-year-old featured in the Roosters trial squad to start the 2022 campaign, but is yet to make his first-grade debut. So he will be joining... Uh, Sean Johnson, uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita, if he sticks around, uh, Cody Nicarima and Dejan Arcee as halves over at New Zealand. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty packed over there. Uh, see who does get a new contract for next year because we're not sure with Dejan Arcee. I think it's just for this season currently that he's signed over there for. And, yeah, another one to keep an eye out for. but. Um, Warriors filling their half stocks. All right. We'll have our first yes. quick break there and we'll come back with yeah, a bunch of injuries and I'll, I'll say a, um, one controversial and one non-controversial suspension. All right. Hard hits. Big week for injuries. I hate saying that. All right. Let's start. Back on, um, was it Thursday night? Yeah, it must have been again. Manly lost another two players. Outside backs, Brad Parker and Jason Saab out for at least the next three matches each. Uh, Parker partially tore his ACL and will begin rehab work for the next month before being assessed further, while Saab will miss the next three to four matches with a toe ligament injury. Oof. Um, they'll be in pretty thin out there. Uh, Tom Tavoyevich can't return early enough, and maybe this week. Uh, the Knights lost Suaso Sue to a head knock, while Melbourne's Tepai Maroa scored a try. Uh, popped his AC joint, according to Melbourne. So, we'd, we said there'll be updates with regards to that, because that can go a number of ways. Pretty sure that's two in three weeks for Nelson to suffer Solomon, because he... What? No, no. Tepai Maroa. No, 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 no. So he, he knocked out Suaso soon oh, with the run. Yeah. Sorry. And he did the same thing with Dale Fanukin, I think, two weeks ago. No, it was um No, it was Nelson. Yeah, was no, but it wasn't Fanukin. It was Yeah, it was. Fanukin got a head knock a couple of weeks ago and he ruled him out for the Sharks Melbourne game. The one where he fell down into someone yeah. jumped up and fell no. down after the No, he was trying to tackle a soft Solomona. No, 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 yeah, but Sofa Solomon had another one after he did that. 
Who did get the no. kick up for? Oh, it was against the Warriors. Um, and smacked his head on the way down. Uh, Wateni Zelezniak. Yeah, he's right. On the way down so it's free, free weeks. And it's just because he's someone that big shouldn't be able to move so fucking quick. Yeah. Like, he's a monster. Bloody hell. Like, uh, yeah. I, oh, mate. Uh, Kurt Mann was a late withdrawal on Sunday due to an ankle injury. I'm sure he was stoked about that. And Dragons 5'8", Jack Bird, has a knee concern, but are both expected to play in round nine. Uh, Jack Bird's arm was also in a sling. It was thought to be a broken arm to start with, uh, bruising and swelling. So it wasn't the worst thing to have him out for an extra week. Biggest news injury-wise from the weekend, really sad. Ash Taylor is set to have... is set to retire based on a continuous hip injury suffered in his first and only NRL appearance for the Warriors. So Nathan Brown brought this up in the press conference talking about it's just he, he can't shake this hip concern. Uh, he's tried a whole bunch of different physio and rehab and training and strengthening exercises, but it's... At this age, it's all too much. And Ash, Tyre is, Ash Taylor, well, has he made the official word yet or is set to retire based on... No, it, it's not official yet. Um, but as you said, Nathan Brown all but confirmed it on without the sit-down official announcement. Um, yeah, it's super sad. Like, this guy came in with the highest amount of potential and... Did he break his hand the first game for the Broncos? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he was signed at Broncos like, 12 years old. Um, it was one of the most... It was very controversial at the time because he was one of the first... The soccer had been doing it for the last 30 years. Yeah. It was one of the first new generation signings where they locked down a kid at 12 years old. I remember, that, I remember a bit of an uproar about that, but... Good thing for this bloke, all through the junior systems, he lived up to that potential, even though he had it. And then, as you said, he got injured for the Broncos and then Gold Coast splashed the cash for him. Definitely showed his potential in that time, but with a struggling team and a pretty weak forward pack, he, he got he struggled a bit, fair amount of thing. And when oh, I'm pretty sure he signed his training trial back before the end of last year, the season, everyone was like, yeah, cool. Training trial, he's going to go back. He's not going to be on the billions of dollars that mm-hmm. he's going to be. He's going to have to, you know, earn his fight. And then I remember when he, when he, they confirmed his signing for this year, the, the Warriors did, we're like, yeah, cool. That's, that's a strong signing. Um, really good combination could be built up with Sean Johnson. And, you know, I, I reckon there was a pretty... Nathan Brown's gone com- pretty confident into the season with Ash Taylor and Sean Johnson as his preferred halves. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually really, dis- really disappointed that his career ends like this, considering he, he reminds me a hell of a lot of what we've been saying about Luke Brooks, that he's had, had, had the Gold Coast Titans under his... He has so much so much expectation that the Gold Coast was his pay packet, and you know him being a halfback, and he kind of—I won't say buckled, but he struggled under that pressure a bit. And I feel like 
going to a new club and just re-energising him and making him earn that deal was really going to turn around his season. And it's really disappointing, I think. And, and the way he's always talked, we actually said it on, on Saturday that, and I think Brownie said it, that he's going to go into pathways and assisting young kids. At coaching. Yeah, I think I think you'll make a fair coach. He knows the game inside and out. Yeah, he's one of the best students of the game. Like back when he was 12 years old, he was learning under Alan Langer and mm. Darren Lockyer. Like he was... Helps. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of assistance right there. But yeah, so all the best for him. And I'm hoping in a few years we see him as a head coach. I, don't, I, I think he'll make a fair crack at it, to be honest. Uh, out of that... Out of the Warriors as well, Jesse Arthurs did not return the second half. Uh, he'll undergo scans, determine the extent of uh, his shoulder injury. Uh, David Fafita will be sidelined for a month after scans determined suffered a grade two MCL strain. Broncos prop Payne Haas aggravated his shoulder injury. He played 54 minutes despite being troubled in the first half, but did not return after being interchanged. Adam Kieran sustained a Michael uh, a minor ankle injury in the Roosters loss to the Bulldogs. Um, Egan Butcher and Billy Smith have both been cleared to return to full training, though, and should be up for selection in round nine. So, yeah, some big names. Haas for feeder. Uh, Jack Bird on the positive side, and then obviously Brad Parker and Jason Saab for Manly. So looking at clubs' injury tolls, official injuries that are up on... Club websites, Newcastle's up to 11. Uh, Parramatta's up to eight. Manly's up to nine. It's not a leaderboard that you want to be on. But uh, Canterbury Bulldogs also have eight out at the moment. So there's a, there's a few clubs really being hit hard early in the season. Um, on to judiciary. So we saw the first red card of the season on Thursday night with Carl Lawton. No, it wasn't. Wasn't it? Red card. Barnett, mate. Oh, sorry. Of course. Um, that one was, yeah, completely, let's say completely different reasons. <laughs> uh, Carl Lawton will miss the next four matches after taking the early guilty plea. So for those who haven't seen it, if you're just typing Carl Lawton tackle, it's the first thing that comes up. He got down underneath Cam Murray and technique was actually pretty good. Good first contact. However, there was a lifting motion and he was in control, but whether it was Cam Murray's uh, weight or the moment, I think it's more so the momentum that Carl Lawton brought into the tackle. He took himself off his feet. And once he's in the air, obviously he's got no control over what happens in the tackle and took Murray all the way over. So he landed pretty much directly on his head and neck. Well, sorry, his first contact was actually shoulder, but it was there was a bare centimetre in it, and it was a very dangerous position to put him in. I'm a Manly supporter. I agreed with the red card. I think that was... Can you stop calling it red card, please? That's what he got. It's a sent-off. Yeah, well, they actually come up with a red card. It's a sent-off, same thing. Comes up with a little red no, bar. Points. Yeah. Um, We're not playing soccer union or... Anyway, I agreed with it. It... It was accidental. Um, there's no intent to play. And you could see, you'd see no one ran in trying to start a melee or anything. Um, yeah. And then 
Jack Whiten. And we're at this game. Oh, half the crowd didn't even know there was a penalty, let alone uh, him being put on report and then seeing it on replay. And he said it in the press conference. He didn't think he had anything to worry about. I saw it. There's nothing to worry about. It's just, I think the penalty itself was a reaction to the Carl Lawton tackle on earlier in the weekend. He's out for two weeks. Yeah, I'm uh, surprised by this. I'm, I'm not su- I'm not surprised. I'm upset. I really didn't think there was anything wrong with it. He, he, he lifted him up. He did his legs go past the horizontal? Sure, but he landed almost square on his back. Um, to me, it was just a dominant tackle. And I guess they're looking at it black and white and not taking the context of a contact sport into it. I don't know. Yeah, I. I think there was enough there that they could fight it, but I also think they'd be coming up with Carl Lawton as an example. But I'd use it as an example of why this one's fine. Yeah, look, I don't think Canberra just wanted any more blowback. And as you said, I don't think they were going to win any argument at all. Yeah, it's... But actually, you know what I like? And it's not really shown at thing. Um, The tackle happened. They got up. And he penalised him. And then the referee actually didn't know without the video referee. Sorry, it was before the video referee told him who it was. But he didn't actually know that um, who was the one who was the main instigator that ended up on his back. And so Jack White specifically had to tell the referee, no, it's me. Because I'm pretty sure the other guy was either Hudson Young or Harry Rushton. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, mate, it's me. And so you don't talk to him, it's fine. And I was like, yeah, good, good on Jack Rush, uh, Jack Whiten because, like, the referee wasn't sure. And originally the referee was going after one of the um, – yeah, I think it was Hudson saying. Young. Yeah. He was talking to Hudson Young. And then Jack Whiten pulled Hudson Young away and told him it was, it was good, which oh, I liked that from Jack Whiten. It was good. Uh, his first game as captain too that we didn't talk about either. Yeah, really. Yeah, you've done a good, done a good job. Who's been captain so far? Elliot Whitehead. Jordan, oh, of course. Um, also, seen Jared Croker hasn't been for ages. Who are you talking about? Yeah, Whitehead and Papali being captain, but he threw it with Whitehead without a second week. They threw it to Whitehead, which yeah. I, 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 I was surprised too when I heard it because I, I figured he'd be captain more often than not. Hmm. Um. Bulldogs prop Billy Tits. Rickass, we'll miss a week with an early guilty plea uh, charged with a grade one dangerous contact on Satili Torpanua. Uh, he could have escaped with a fine, but given he's in the club's top 30, he was not subject to a monetary penalty. Did not know that rule. Stupid, but cool. No, stupid, but cool. Stupid, but just not surprising. Rebdo's duo, Josh Manson and Tavita Totola were also both cited with... Mansell graded, charged with a grade one contrary conduct and Totola fined $1,000 and early guilty plea for a grade one dangerous contact. And Jack Johns is charged from Sunday's match with a $1,000 fine for his tackle on Cam Munster. So players suspended, Jack Whiten, Billy Sikrikas and Carl Walton. <laughs> Tisrikas. I'm going to get Tisrikas. <laughs> You uh, so trying to do that last week. I know. Uh, just looking at that, Manly's team lineup uh, coming out to, 
or Tuesday afternoon is going to be quite interesting. Uh, if you take Parker, Saab, Launton out of an already pretty thin lineup, uh, it's going to be interesting to see selections around well, that team there. Well, that means it's Harper. Sorry? Well, that means Harper is back. Oh. <laughs> that means Harper's back. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Nope. Yeah, well, boy, the fullback. Garrick and don't say don't say Garrick in the centers. Just Garrick and Fua on the wings. <laughs> and Tula Palato in the centers with Cooler, you reckon? Yeah. There you go. Nah, he's gonna put my he'll put Harper in there. No. Walker in the centers with Cooler and Tui Palatuki on the wing. That, there you go. That makes more sense. Going forward, I still reckon I reckon two pilot two and cooler are the better set of pairing anyway. But we'll get to that later. All right. Um, anything else before we start going through the matcherers? No. No. All right. I keep saying it was Thursday night for the Manly Eight. It was Friday night, wasn't it? Yeah, the Thursday, Thursday night, night game. for Broncos Cronulla, and that's where we're going to start. Yeah, you say that every time. I do know. <laughs> That's so awkward because we just came in after a pause. Um, the first of two big upsets for the weekend. Broncos 16 defeating, I think that was the Cronulla Sharks, seven. Because yeah. either this shows that Broncos are like 40 points better than Manly because they beat the team that beat Manly by... No, oh, I hate when people bit. do those yeah, comparisons. It's ridiculous. Oh. Um, what was uh, Craig Fitzgibbon overheard saying in the coaching booth that came out? Um, don't let these guys on the bus or something. <laughs> uh, one of the coaching staff said that down low, supposedly, and a reporter overheard it. Um, yeah, Katoni Staggs had... He's looking like the Katoni Staggs that we know he can be when he's not injured, and his move to get on the outside of his centre, or Talakai, which isn't surprising given the mismatch in speed. But then to take Ronaldo Mulatalo on the outside with, what, two, three metres to move in and then palm one of the biggest athletes in the chest, basically, and get across the line easily or comfortably in the end was... It was a play that not many in the comp could make. And it just showed the... Showed everything that Katoni Staggs is power, agility, speed, finishing. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was incredible until you saw the uh, Justin Olam individual solo center effort as well. No, no, against he was Newcastle. Yeah, true, but um, both outstanding individual tries. Oh, oh, so so far, Katoni Staggs is a very young player. Um, I think he wouldn't even be 23, I don't think. So far, his biggest issue is his consistency. Yes, like, makes sense. There, there's games where he does that shit, and there's games where he's just <laughs> better off not even getting to the jersey sometimes. But I think you find that more in centre than any other position because well, you're so reliant got... on... Yeah, well, that's the question i got for you. Do you think... If he played in the, well, Melbourne Storm or the Pembroke Parenthood system, he's doing that every week. Yeah. Or do you think he's, or, or do you think he's just an inconsistent player? 
No. Or just uh, because the Broncos have been so shit his entire time he's played for him the last two and a half years that he he's a he's a result of their shitness. I know this flows out to the back line for it. Because the, the thing the reason I'm questioning it because is because most of his tries they give him about two meters of space and he just does individual brilliance. Yes. And that's the question I've got moving forward for him is that if he can do that to, as you said, see us off a Talakai and Renato Mulatalo, mm-hmm. because no one put him in the hole. No. no one. And that's most of his tries. No one actually puts him in holes. He just fucks people up. Like that's, that's what he does. So that's, that's the question I've got. And we won't know about it for another couple of years. That's the reality of it is. This my only question was Tony Stagg. Well, is, it, it, it comes to to me like... And, you know, gonna... Sorry, he is young. He will, he's got another 10 years in the NRL. Let's leave, leave that alone. But I, I just want to... That's my question for him. That's all. Because most of his tries are individual. And we've got to say it, brilliant. So he's a brilliant player. I think with Senna, it's... It can be the hardest position to evaluate because you're so reliant on the work of those on the inside, not just in attack, but in defense. It's the hardest position. Mainly defense, I would say. And it's and you're so reliant. Because if your edge, if your edge back row can't run a hole, um, then the defense knows that you're probably getting the ball nine times out of ten and they can switch out. If you're getting the ball so late to the line. You swamped anyway, and and centers prefer to get the ball oh. in the space, and the, he hasn't had that sort of service on the inside. The difference to a winger is wingers have another role to play with regards to kick return. They can get in the game that way. They can make a, a name for themselves that way. I, I relate, I relate Stags to if he yeah if he was playing in Penrith squad or the Storm squad, he'd be flying. Like you look at. Um, Remia Smith and how much he's improved being down in Melbourne. You look at what Stephen Crichton's doing in Penrith. Uh, Katoni Staggs has more, like, to me, has more strings to his bow than than uh, Crichton does. Ooh. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's all it is because I just, like, you look at who's... There's certain centres who are really pumped up in the world, but they're inside... You know, the half, the five, half a five over the second rollers give them that room to look brilliant. Um, and put wingers in the same cut. Like, I don't think, well, like, there, there's a perfect, he, if you give him room, he's unstoppable, but he's not going to create anything for you because he's, he's not smart. But, um, Katoni Staggs, if you give him room, he'll score. But if you give him the ball, he probably has a 60, 70% scoring because he dominates his opposing player. And that's probably my question because he doesn't do that as much as someone like, and oh, that's I, I, I shouldn't even. There's another one like that. Yeah, I shouldn't even probably ask this question because he's so young. He's got so long and he's got so much to learn still. I just, that That's my only question for him moving forward. Why hasn't he probably done what he did on the weekend more. When, when he's in the... I, I just think it's a motivational I mean, yeah. thing sometimes. I, I, I hate questioning it, but that's my only question for him. Yeah, like, I can also understand that game. point of view. Being in that clubhouse for the last few years isn't the most motivating place to be. Yeah. Uh, and another look, oh, place oh, that I 
consider it though, and we've talked about this and I've harped on it a lot. Uh, one of the reasons why I think Tom Trebojevic was finding it harder to start this season is because neither Manly Senna um, is an attacking threat by themselves like what Katoni Staggs did. Neither Parker nor Harper can do that. If There's they're not no put seriously... Yeah, if they're not literally put into a hole, they're not going to cause a... There's no threat to the defence. And that allows you to double-team the fullback, double-team the wing, throw them over the sideline, um, put an extra player on Olicato and Schuster in his back because they're more damaging offensive players than the outside backs are. Uh, you can't do that with that, Tony Staggs. You need to match up on him because if you leave him one-on-one, like even Talakai... Um, He's going to skim him to the outside because of the speed. If it's yeah, someone strong, speedy, they'll, he'll run over the top of him. And, and that's why I was so excited when Newcastle signed Dan Gay Guy this year. Because he can create everything for you when he's on the field. Um, because, like, Newcastle's attack was stunted because they're just giving it to Ponga. And, it, and all that all the defensive team has to do is point out Ponga. And they're like, oh, screw. You know, we pumped up Brad at best, but he's the... He is exactly what we're saying about the opposite of what Tony Staggs is. Yes. You, 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 he will not correct shit for you. You, yeah, give him the ball early with a few meters of space, he might run over somebody, which I love him for. Don't even get me wrong, but he's got a lot to learn about creating and he is developing a bit of a flick pass. But back to Tony Staggs, sorry, I, I just want to, I love him and I rate him that high and a future absolute superstar for the competition. Um, and I really hope that moving forward, he can do that. No, he, no one can do a week in, week out unless you're, you know, Greg Inglis level, but more consistently do that kind of shit because he can change your game if you just give him the ball. Whereas a lot of other people, you have to create something for him. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Tony Stacks. Uh, so the big thing I took out of this game, Sharks were, and we, we spoke about this, last week when they when they towed up Manly in the first half and then literally disappeared in the second half. And we talked about there's no that ruthlessness wasn't there that we then saw later in the round with Melbourne. And we saw it with Melbourne again this week. And it seems as though it's carried on with them the week after. They looked clunky, they were mistiming, they were making poor mistakes. But I think a lot of credit has to go to the Broncos. They're they were aggressive in their defense. They were finishing their hits. Um, even if the pass had gone, the, the player knew that the tackle was going to come. Um, their line speed was consistent all night and up in your face. Similar to what I'd seen the Cowboys doing earlier in the season when they really troubled Canberra. When the Cowboys up and in, well, when the Cowboys line speed is on point and they're all going at the same time, it's a complete change to what they were doing the season and the season before that. To me, the Broncos literally just took it to Cronulla. I don't think Cronulla were expecting it. And I also don't think Cronulla expected the Broncos to be able to keep it up for the entire game. Um, but credit to them. And then they took their chances. Um, another piece of maybe not brilliance overall, but Kurt Capel's individual try was just pure determination, uh, a little bit of footwork and then strength to reach out. So there was, there was a bit of fight in the Broncos and 
facing them at Suncorp in Magic Round, I'm thinking it might be a bit of a harder matchup than I thought a couple of weeks ago if they continue to take this sort of edge moving forward. Yeah. Um, maybe the first little bit of maybe the first little challenge here for Craig Fitzgibbon. Three the the poor end of the Manly game into this game. Um, they might have something to, to work on this week. Uh, moving on to Friday night. Now, Titans 4, uh, Penrith 18. Now, this was a an interesting game. I think a lot of people, myself included, expected Penrith to blow this one out of the water. I even captained uh, by Captain Cleary this week, purely based on that. And uh, despite that, it was 4-0 at halftime to the Titans. And yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think uh, Petrith, both coach and captain, praised themselves for keeping the Titans scoreless in the second half while they mounted a comeback. And it was two tries just after half time, 43rd minute to Targo, 47th minute to Cleary. That, that literally won the game. So they didn't score again until the 76th minute with that try to Luai. So... <sighs> It's. I'm not sure what to put this one down to. It was. It was kind of. It was a bit different to what Broncos were doing to Cronulla, to me, with what the the Titans were doing. How do you see this one? I. We've got to um, throw out as well that, despite the fact that it was four 0 at half time, Pembroke had two tries disallowed in the first half as well, and yes. it came back and just. Blew them apart in the, oh sorry yeah in the second half and then I just think to be honest I think the Gold Coast went in not even believing the scoreline and then they were kind of like holy shit we were up four 0 at half time and then Pembroke just came out and do what they do really um. I, honestly, that's what I think happened. Like it was just, it was so. I, I honestly thought Gold Coast was so. It was so surreal for them for that scoreline that they just like oh four 0 That that that's the game done. And then they just kind of didn't fire a shot in the second half. Really, like, they weren't too flashed. Do you, do you think it might have been what we're doing is working against them? So we'll kind of just keep it at this level. And yeah, and when Penrith came Penrith back, adapted. yeah, Penrith adapted and came out at a high level. Because looking at the the stats throughout the game, it was all pretty. It's all pretty even, and most stats actually, the ones that there is a fair margin actually favoured Gold Coast. Uh, errors were the same, ineffective tackles were similar, but Penrith had twenty more missed tackles than the Titans did. Almost fifty missed tackles uh, for Penrith compared to thirty for the Titans. So. Neither brilliant there, but looking at all the rest, uh, there's a, there's a, a gap, I guess, in all runs with the Titans having 13 extra runs, but Penrith still ran for more meters, exact same completion rate, same number of sets, same number of incompletions, and a minute and a half difference in ball possession. So statistically, it looked a, a close game and on the scoreboard, it's still reasonably close, uh, but we've said this before, the better teams win games when they're not at their best. 
And when you've got belief within your squad, you've all played together, you've got that consistency, no matter how bad it gets, you're still confident and believe in each other that you can get the job done. And this is one of those games where I think they're going to be relieved. They'll just tick it off and move to the next week. The Titans may see this one as a chance gone missing, especially after they're shellacking the previous week to the Cowboys. Uh, defense tightened yeah. up, offense still needs work. That um, there was one moment in the game that kind of got me thinking like, all year I've been saying that Sean O'Sullivan's definitely a better halves pairing for Nathan Cleary. And look, I still stand by, I think he played really well. But that combination where Cleary put that grubber in and Luai scored, how clean did that look? That yeah. looked like Cronk and Slater or Smith and Cronk back in the day. It looks so like. So you just he, argued against yourself? No, no, no. But what, what I'm saying is I put him at 14 because he play a few positions. So Sullivan for the rest of the game. Because I think, he, I think Zoe Sullivan's a better defender anyway. And it's yeah. yeah, so hard. Yeah. But what, what my point is that, you know, you put a grubber in and you don't know when that bounce is going to be, that big bounce to lead into someone's chest. But the way Cleary's been playing the last however long, it's almost John's like where you got that feeling where he does know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Like he, he's predicted it. Like, he, like, for example, when um, 2005 Origin second game where he came back and he put that kick and it hit the upright, hit the goalpost mm. for Anthony Minicello to score. I don't know if you remember that one. No. Uh, it, it was fucking epic. But you just knew that he was going to get it 100 times out of 100 because he, he was in that mindset to play that. Cleary's kind of like, he's, he, he's feeling like that to me where he knows that ball's going to pop up when it needs to pop up because he's just got that touch going. Uh, I, I get, like, this looks so clean, that try. It looks perfect. Oh, yeah. Jared's had his gush for the for the episode. No, I haven't. All right. Um, we'll go through some pretty quick. So 40 to 22, Rabbitohs over the Seagulls. Uh, oh, I tipped the Rabbits. I thought they were the strongest squad going into this game. But how Manly started, I was kind of getting my hopes up a little bit going, you know what? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make a fist of this, and then so Carl Lawton was sent off in the ninth minute, and I went, well, this is gonna be tough, and then Manly went over for the first two tries, and I went, ah, it looked pretty good, but we're gonna need a much bigger lead than that, and then Rabbitohs yeah turned it on. Once I got down Manly's red zone, um, they were able to strip him for numbers from the twenty seventh minute onwards. Missing Olakatu was huge. Uh, for Seagulls without that physical body to really stop Colin Matungi. Uh, Isaiah Tass, we've talked about a fair few times, looked really good, having an entire game, made a mistake, but offensively, the timing of his runs, the angle of his runs were really good. Got the passway when he needed to. Uh, Tom Burgess, individual try as well Cody Walker picking up one Cam Murray and then Blake Taff in the 79th minute just to rub it in that little bit more I thought for Manly's effort the 40 points was a little bit harsh in the end they did put 22 on the board um, which is credit to the whole team this was a Kieran Foran and Cherry Evans partnership game they worked 
brilliantly together. Uh, Karen Foran playing the best footy I've seen in a couple of years for him. Uh, Christian Tui Palotsu, a uh, bit of a beast there. I hope he's solidified his spot in the backs for Manly. And oh, I'm trying to think who else really stood out in this one. Um, Graham in defense. He every Manly had a couple more sniffs of tries, uh, which he shut down pretty much on his defensive nous in the centers and his ability to cover space quite quickly. And did he? Oh, he had a try disallowed, didn't he? For himself, I think it was an obstruction or something. But Rabbit's got the job done. Yeah, if they're if if you've got an extra player for 71 minutes of a game, you should win. I still think that they'd be disappointed with the amount of points they let in. And I mean, yeah. How Manly uh, troubled I, them throughout the whole game. I messaged him. Messaged him. It was 30, I think it was what, 30 to 22 at one point. Hmm. And you guys are attacking the line. Yeah, so that was, yeah. You, you, had eight, you were eight points behind in one, at one point. And as the grubber went too deep. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. You, you got about three or four repeat sets. What you're doing is you're smashing the line and then Cherry Evans is getting the ball, tapping it over, and then as soon as it got the repeat set, went at it again. Dylan Walker put that ball, and as soon as that happens, I think there was 12 minutes left. I just went, you're done. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, that, 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 was your, that was your rodeo. That was your that mad dash to finish it. Because if you scored there, you would have been two points behind. It would have been yeah. epic. But, yeah, it was really, really yeah. got him nervous. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah when, that when play, that. Um, the Marty to power offload right before half time were probably the two kind of yeah, rush of blood just, plays that weren't needed. And one cost us a try, one cost a chance. It was just because they went down there, I'm pretty sure they scored two more tries in that yeah. last 10 minutes. But as soon as that happened, you just tank went ran dry. And unfortunately, um, you can't do much more, more than that. But full credit to Manly. Um, they held in there as long as they possible. Yeah, 18-6 at half, 18-16 half time. Without that money to power offload could have been 16-12, which may have come in a different outcome. They didn't. So let's move on to Saturday. All righty. So... Warriors versus Raiders, 21-20. Warriors due to a courtesy to Sean Johnson field goal in Golden Point. Win a tight one over the Raiders. So this is an absolute thrill for us. Again, thank you to the Warriors, Richard, uh, Tegan, Tim, uh, everyone that's looked after us with their organisation and got us access um, as media, we had an awesome vantage point right on halfway, own table to ourselves, courtesy food. Uh, it was brilliant. Uh, we set up the laptop, got there a bit early, had a couple of beers and, some, and, and a feed and watched a very entertaining first half, an absolute snooze fest for the first half hour of the second half, and then a very controversial finish. Sean Johnson didn't do a, lot, didn't do a whole lot all match, but popped up and slid the field goal when it was required. Dejan Arce had some of the Warriors on the Thursday. He'd been there for four days and had an absolute blinder for a first game. I kept remarking how big this kid is. I didn't realise the size of him. I kept mistaking him for a second rower. 
Alicia Katoa had an absolute blinder coming off the bench. And that's pretty much it for the, the breakdown of the game itself because we're going to play both clips from the press conferences that I've edited uh. down just for our <laughs> questions. And that'll give you a oh, breakdown of the game don't. itself. But... Yeah, Nicky and Jack, um, Adam's 6 again podcast. Despite the result, a couple of positives to take out of the game. Adam Elliott starting that hooker. Um, with the, uh, their purely physicality, was encouraged to run, so we thought he made a really good fist of it. Mm. Yeah, he did a good job, Ed. Mate, I, like, publicly, I, I'm um, lost for comment in regards to the quality of that football in the second half. And, and for any any loyal fan, any real fan that we've got left, it's you know I feel, I feel really... Um, Embarrassed and, and sorry for them. I noticed at the um, start of the first half, when you guys had the ball in the red zone, attacking the Warriors' right edge a lot, uh, Jack run the ball quite straight. Was that a plan before the game? Was that due to the Warriors switching their wing centre positions? No, it was definitely uh, something we aimed at, and um, you know it showed that it worked in the first half. Uh, we give it to our points and, and play what we wanted to play, and. Um, as Stifter said, we, did, we failed to do so in the second half, and um, yeah, we, we, we shot ourselves in the foot massively again. Um, congratulations on the win today again. Um, question about Lisi Katoa. So, made over a couple of years ago, really edge back rower, and he was, when he came on, he used really solid hit ups, lots of intensity. Do you forward or? Um, it's a good question then. It's a good question. You obviously watched the game too, because it's very beyond the ball, mate. It was his best game of footy he's ever played. Yeah, best game he's played, and um, he's, you know, the edge in the middle are very different. There's a, a lot more challenging, and what people probably don't know about Ellie is, is that you know Ellie started playing the NRL after he'd only played four or five rugby league games. So he's a rugby union kid, rugby union background. So Ellie's played more NRL games than he's played rugby league games in his life. So. Um, it's it's not easy. You know, we had uh, two young centres out there today, Villy and Rocco. You know, both those boys are again rugby union boys, and with COVID in the past two years, they've probably both played between them, probably played 20 or 25 rugby league games, and yet they're conducting themselves in the NRL, playing in tough positions. Yeah, so they're learning their trade out in a difficult environment. Yeah? And that's the same as Ellie. You know, so you know, we just felt in the shorter term, moving in the middle is is easier for him in the shorter term, and we've seen some players. Felice Cafusi, for example, started in the middle and went to the edge. You know, the edge is a little bit more difficult, more decisions, and the middle's a little easier. But it was Ellie's best game of rugby league he's played today, quite by, well, since I've been here, it's by far his best game of game he's played. It was definitely noticeable on you and Aiken. There was a lot of um, changes both with the standards compared to the lineup before the substitutions. You and Aiken the whole game. Um, what does he bring to the squad overall, besides uh, obviously? Um, you know, he's consistent. That's probably the best way. He's consistent and he's mentally, he's played the NRL for a long time. So mentally he can handle some sort of difficult periods in his mind. You know, he doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. His defence is consistent. But that's the biggest thing he brings to our football club. He's, you know, he's in and around a lot of younger players. Um, and, you know, then I had Dejan. I think Dejan's only played four or five first grade games. And then he had Billy who's played about four or five. And I think Wetz was the most experienced and he's probably played 30 odd, you know, so... So it's a very he's with some young people there, and he's very consistent. And you know, if those boys can learn that from him, that'll be a great learn from. Nathan, we saw a lot of the, especially you guys early in the game. Top um, looked pretty hot out there. Where has the, the fitness come the long trip, especially? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, at the punch had a lot of minutes there without without the ball. 
Um, you know, we made it a bit harder on ourselves, but I feel, I feel like um, you know, our full pack's coming a long way. Um, you know, Lodgy is a real leader in the pack. <clears throat> uh, you know, we've got uh, like Jazz there. He's a real energizer bunny through the middle there, sort of sort of player. But um, yeah, it was really hot out there, um, and it was uh, very slippery um, out there as well. But um, you know, both, both uh, forward packs done a lot of work, and uh, really be very proud of it. So, so. It's, it's sad, you know, yeah, look, we've only been got no ash in the past sort of short time, and and everyone's enjoyed having him around the footy club, and he, you know, he he worked pretty good in the preseason to get himself probably in better shape than he's probably been in for a while, and unfortunately, in amongst that, he's had hip trouble and things didn't work out well. But um, look, he's certainly someone you'd hate to see lost to the game. He's he's got a good footy brain, and he, you know, like a lot of the young Indigenous boys, they love their footy, don't they? That's why they'll play any day of the week they could, you know. So. Hopefully, there's some sort of format for Ash going forward where he can stay involved in the game in some way. Oh, look, well, we're moving back to New Zealand, and Ash is probably from Queensland now. So, but hopefully, there's something in you know in the in the area in the in the game somewhere in the Queensland area Ash could stay involved because he does love footy and he's as I said he's a very smart bloke. You know, so we'll certainly keep him involved and keep him active with us and keep him ticking over in the shorter term. But obviously, when we move back, um, then Ash will be looking to transition to something different, I'd imagine. You've got pretty four pretty good halves now. Um, who do you imagine is the best combination? Because Arcee had a Yeah, I, I, well, Dejan, I said Dejan got to training on Thursday and we didn't really do anything because we had a lot of boys who were a bit wounded and we never flew back till you know, Tuesday Arvo. So, um, and then he did a session on so the combination things. Obviously, there's probably zero combo there, but Dejan did well. As you said, he, he uh, created a couple of tries for us, which was, which was we needed. Um, um, what's our best combination? That I'm, yeah, I'm not too sure. We've got a few boys coming next year as well. A young fella from Cronulla, Matt Calf, and signed a you know, good young fella from the Roosters, a good young half too. So, you know, it's, uh, there's, they're um, difficult. You know, the, 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 the best teams, you watch the two top teams at the moment, clearly the two best teams in the competition at the moment are uh, Melbourne and, and um, Penrith, and have a look at their halves and their fullbacks and their hookers. You know, you, gotta, you get that right, it makes... It helps coaches look okay. It looks like you know what you're doing a bit, doesn't it? That's the reality of it. You know, the, the Parramatta's, you know, Parramatta's got the fullback, the half, the five-eight and hooker going really well. They're probably at the moment they'd probably be the third pick at the moment for me. You know, when I'm watching the footy, in my opinion, you know, people might disagree with me, but you know, the, you, you need to get those positions right. And you get them right and have some competition, then it's it's great for your football club. Jared, what was your experience of the day? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, first things first, Adam's got a Tesla. So we, we spent a fair amount of time talking about Adam's Tesla and the fun of it. Oh, yeah. um, it was a fun drive. Then we got to the game, you know, set up in our own little little area. As I said, had a few beers. Um, look, they, they they look after you that well there. Like they put you, they give you give you all the directions how to get in. You the best thing about day. being media without it being a job is we can drink. Yeah, yeah, we can have a few drinks because we're not getting paid at the time. But if anyone wants to pay us, we will oh, take yeah. the money. 100%. Um, but yeah, so, and then we got to watch the second half of the Blackhawks versus Dolphins game, which is a hell of a game as well. Um, ended in a field goal. And then... 29-28, I think. Yeah, and then the, um, the actual game, like, the best thing you said to Warriors in the first half, they held in there. Mm. But we spent... Like a lot of time talking about the fact that all their tackles, all Canberra's tackles were very, they were getting up quick. Warriors weren't dominating tackles. And then all 
when when Warriors ran the ball, Canberra dominated him. And that first try that Canberra scored, I think they scored two before Warriors went over. Um, it was very dominating by Raiders. And then I actually thought it was going to be a bit of a bit of a and the Jordan Rapata incident happened and the Jordan Rapata when he missed the ball and it bounced in the wrong way happened and ended up in a try. So both both errors by Jordan Rapata at fullback ended up in tries, which kept Warriors in the game. And it's hung on for the rest of it. Um, as Adam said, as Ricky Stewart said, that second half was diabolical for both teams. <laughs> um, but then... The press conference came around, and a lot of people say that, yeah, you know, oh, sorry, a lot of people see in press conferences that Ricky Stewart is mad. Oh. We're in the room before he came in, and you can just see the heat coming off him. Like he oh, was man. fuming. And I see, last week I went on a bit of a thing saying the, the Raiders were. They always have this attitude that everyone's against them and they're fighting against the tide no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're up, up, they're always up for the fight. But this press conference, I had a lot of respect because there was that controversial moment at the end of the game with the Matt Lodge and Diver. And we spent a long time on this previously. But Ricky Stewart just went, look, anything could have happened in that game, but in that second half, we didn't deserve to win. Anyway, and that's what it, that's what he kind of nutted down because it was just it was just bad. Um, yeah, he basically he, he said that tackle up. didn't matter because we shouldn't have been in that position anyway. Yeah, and he was straight, and I had a lot of respect for that um, because he was but yeah, man, he was you can just see it, it was just fuming, and I was just like, oof, Jesus, and you can just tell he gave that whole team a spray oh. because it was, it was really interesting because you go in there and wait. And we didn't know. It genuinely that no one actually knew he was coming in first, which coach, um, because they had to change around the background banners. Yeah, they had but, the Warriors background set up first. We're prepping our Warriors questions. Yeah. And then and then what happened was um, some guy pops in. He goes, Ricky's going to be down in a few minutes. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. We'll get that set up. We're good to go. Waiting for the Warriors questions. then. <laughs> And then he comes back again as well. He opened the door, but then he shut it again. So all I can imagine there is just letting some tension. He in. opened the door and he's like, I'm not done yelling here. I've got to go back and give him a few more bars. And then, yeah. And then he came back and he was just, you could just tell he was just, oh, mate. It was, it was, it was good, good theater that was. It was great. I loved it. We were the first ones in the press conference room. Uh, outside of the Fox Sports cameraman himself. And Brent Tate was doing the game for Fox Sports. And we hadn't had a chance to talk to him yet, but he, he walked into the room and he was, awesome he was great. We were just like, hey, Brent. Brent, sorry. Brent. He like, hey, Brent. And he went over and read the Fox Sports article that some journalist was writing up. And uh, we were just talking about the game. And he's like, that, oh, he made the end of that game. And we're shaking our heads like, that's not a penalty. That, that happens all the time. It's, the players staying down for us. It's not, it's not right. It's not how a game should end. And we were hundred percent in agreement with Brent and we were just chatting about it. And he couldn't work out why Matt Lodge wasn't taken off for HIA and either could we considering the 
NRL said they were going to crack down on players staying down for penalties and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, Ricky Stewart came in. I don't think I've ever been in a room with so much tension. It, it, felt, <laughs> like a, it felt like a funeral. And there's the Fox Sports dude and then there's us. Um, and I think Ricky Stewart sat down. It was probably the longest five to ten seconds I've sat through. I'm just waiting. He's just waiting for someone to ask a question. And in my head, I'm like, fucking, I ain't going first. <laughs> and so the dude budded him up with some questions and then I jumped in. Sorry about the editing. It is hard because I had my phone there and it records out of both ends. So my voice is muffled and Ricky Stewart's like literally breathing into my. Anyway, the press conference finished and he walks out and I turn around. Brent's like sent up against the back wall and I kind of like put my finger in my collar and went, whoo, <laughs> that was hot. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he walked out and, um, you know, Nathan Brown came in, he was like literally bouncing in and he's happy at the worst of times really that we've seen him and completely different energy and, and didn't, yeah. we didn't have enough time for questions. So yeah. we literally saw both ends yeah. of the NRL coaching, coaching world yeah. in two and press conferences. Look, full credit to everyone for, in the Warriors set up from Nathan Brown down because they're the ones we've been talking to to get in these media passes. Um, and like they're, they're all open for a chat. Like on the weekend, Adam Adam called, searched online, no, searched in the emails for this, the game day manager. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm man, just trying, yeah, I was trying to find the Wi-Fi. Yeah, the I'm just like, man, man, stop this. The game day manager is not going to be concerned with you the, the Wi-Fi password. Like they've got that much shit to organise. These like, are the people so, that were getting all their food and stuff. And yeah, all just the, all leave the us. The players and the... Leave them alone. Just let it, and then, do you know what? I, I was sitting there and she, Adam left her a message and then she called him back and she, I could hear it over the thing. She was as nice as anything. Nice. Tim Tim was nice as anything. Like it, it was just, everyone's just like, yeah, come in, guys, um, have a chat. Um, you know, here's this, here's that, here's that, here's all the information how to get in, minus the Wi-Fi password. Um, it was just you couldn't fault for letting two people like us who have no, no credentials, no, no anything, and they were just awesome. We run a podcast now, like, yeah, that's awesome, guys. Like, like few people asked about it. I oh, um, tape took our card, that was cool. Yeah, no, and you know. I, I may have thrown like, so we came in with a few business cards and we we're tactically leaving them around the stadium so people <laughs> pick them up and uh, so the press conference has all ended me and Adam stole pizza we're trudging out and where we parked we steal pizza that was for uh, us yeah, yeah we, we, we t- I felt like we were, we were stealing a pizza when we toddled out it was, it was cold anyway and then we, we toddled out and then we're walking along and some bikes in his car. It's <laughs> Ben Murdoch Masilla. And we're talking, and he's talking to his friend. He was so happy to get out of the car and have a chat to us about anything we wanted to ask. We did film it, and we're not going to bring too much of what there, but he, everyone was just so open and yeah. open and like keen for a chat to two random dudes doing a podcast. But the funny thing about it is, Adam messaged me on Saturday morning and goes, Wait, we, do you have any lanyards? And like, nah, nah, that's not something I keep around, to be honest. And he went and bought a couple. And as I said, we're leaving our 
business cards strategically, strategically around the stadium so people would listen to our podcast. And then we got in and then Adam gave the last business card that was free to Brent Tate. And we're talking to Ben Murdoch and Silla. And I'm like, oh, crap, should give a business card. Threw it on my pants. And I'm like, you know what? Took off the lanyard, threw it at Ben Murdoch and Silla. And he was more than happy to take it. Yeah, that costs like 20 cents. Right <laughs> yeah, it's probably in the bin right now. But, like, that, there was no one in that organisation at the Warriors who wasn't completely open to chatting to us. And if yeah. you're hearing the, here in the, here in the, um, in the press conference where you watched it, Nathan Brown actually compliments Adam for his, for his question because he's like, oh, my God, you actually watched the game. Me, on the other hand, trying <laughs> to ask my first question, was like a four-year-old at a bloody presentation for parade at school. For the first time ever, I actually forgot people's names. Oh, yeah. I shit myself that. But Adam's sitting there. And there's like something about asking names about. to him. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Adam had to whisper names or people are asking about into my ear and Nathan Browns is looking at me like you're the biggest fucking idiot but he he handled it he, that can't say more, more about the Warriors they're my second favorite team now just because of how they treated us and how open and understanding they are to rookies like us and so the thing about it they must weed it out because, because that first one we went to for the um St. George game yeah when there's two little meerkats just jumping up and down throughout the whole thing, going, holy shit, look who's that. Holy yeah. shit, look who's that. Holy shit. This game, we're a bit more professional, but there were moments where we're tiny little meerkats just going, holy yeah. shit, look at that. It was so the, much fun. The, the Ben, ben Murdoch-Basilla, like, we're walking out and going, oh, shit. And I was like, held the phone up if he came for a photo and he bloody put his window down. He was on speakerphone to someone in the car. And we're just like, oh, hey, Ben. He's like, hey, I'll call you back or bye. I'm like, oh, crap, he's on the phone. <laughs> and then he just got out of the car and we're chatting. And he'd been out injured for a couple of to- a couple of weeks. And I said, well, not a um, maybe not the best way to get into the game. Because when he came off the bench, his first hit up was at Josh Papali, Joe Tarpany, and Corey Horsburgh. Three of them hit him. And he's like, oh. Hadn't played for a few weeks. Had to get out and do something. And that kind of caused like a little ruckus because they didn't let go of him. He was pushing him. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're just scared of me. And he was just like, <laughs> just talking like that. It's fucking like hilarious. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. And, and the game, was, congratulations yeah. to the Warriors. The, 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 the thing about it is they, they, they were resilient throughout the whole game. And the conversation we had to Jean Arce, like he was there on Thursday, played a game on Saturday. And absolutely killed it. Um, yeah, it was just... And we, yeah, we requested an awesome an, uh, post-game interview with him and got it. And that'll be up on our Facebook and also on the Twitter feed. I've just got to edit it to cut it a little bit shorter. And Jared's question to Nathan Brown, actually on my phone, it didn't pick up Jared's end because he was quite quiet. And I'll fly behind Adam and I'm so about might need to be taller than him. To get his whole question, you'll have to watch the press conference, which is on NRL.com. It's also on our Twitter yeah. feed and Facebook. Hey, look, uh, look. This edited version just goes, you've got Arcee and Nicarima. It actually sounds like it's like, uh, it sounds cut and fresh, uh, but the, the full version's on there. So, yeah, yeah not, and- not the way this game wanted to, we wanted the game to finish. It was a kind of a bit of a letdown. Raiders were on top. Uh, 
with regards to controlling the play and Warriors got a couple of bounces their way and an, an error to keep them in the game and then how it finished with Matt Lodge staying down and the penalty goal and Warriors played better in Golden Point um, than the Raiders did, but it's not... Well, we never go there going yeah, for a I, team, but it felt as though Canberra deserved the win overall despite how poor the second half was for both teams. Yeah, the yeah. second half was... I, I, I think there's, there is something to say about the resilience of the Warriors. Like, you know, they, they came into the game, they switched both their centre and wings around which is quite interesting to both of us. Um, you know, as Adam says in the thing, Elise Katoa was playing in the middle. He's played his best game throughout ever. Dejan Arcee was you the and first Aiken time. Had a really good yeah, and you and Aiken played a great game. Like, despite the fact that Canberra have got a team that's pretty well set for the last three years in a lot of positions, this team came on the field with... I'd say minus Sean Johnson, the average amount of games would be less than a hundred. Oh yeah, like it's the very very limited to that. Yeah, yeah it was very um, li- limited game time for limit. Sorry, limited NRL time for a lot of their players, and limited um, experience and combination, and you know knowing each other, and they just turned up when they needed to and they got the win and a lot can be said about that for a team yeah. like you compare that to a fucking Newcastle the day after like you compare that to that and you, it's just chalk and cheese like Warriors came back after getting flogged and turned it all around and wanted to have a decent crack and and they did and they ended up with the win they just they didn't try anything silly that I overly saw they just had a go and they defended for each other, which a lot of teams could probably fucking learn from, to be honest. So we've covered it. We spent a lot of time on that one because, yeah, we were there. But uh, so we might, we're going to breeze through these uh, next ones that we wouldn't usually do. We usually try to spend a bit of time on everything. But the second big upset, uh, Bulldogs 16 over the Roosters 12. I didn't get to watch the whole lot of this one. I was in the car listening to it on the radio. Um no, we're both in the car, obviously. Listen to this one on the radio on the way home. Yeah, I in the Tesla. Yeah. Um, so I went back and watched the, the shortened version on the replay. Roosters struggling to find some consistency, eh? And making a lot of uncharacteristic errors, especially coming out of their own end. Um, Bulldogs showing a bit of fight. And there's talk about... Matt Burton's 40-20, which was brilliant. It, it was a, a hell of a kick. And Addo Carr, obviously, getting back into Addo, how we know Addo Carr. But breaking it all down, I still think this is led by Flanagan. And the, the pressure he's taken off Dufty, the pressure he's taken off Burton to be able to freelance free and roam because they can trust that their halfback's going to kick when he needs to, is going to defend. Uh, he doesn't need to be covered or any of that. And I don't think his stats are going to pop off the page like they weren't at the Roosters anyway. But if Burton and Dufty's stats start popping, um, I'd be looking at the pass before that or the pass before the try assist to see who gave them that bit of bit of space, who got the field position for them if it wasn't 
Burton's massive spirals and torps and that, who's positioning the ball, who's putting the defense under pressure and all that sort of stuff. Because to me, Flanagan had another quite good game. Like, did both of us have been massive flan- fans, not fans, fans, yeah, fans. Of Flanagan for like, well, that's, I think that'll be the title. Yeah. Big flans. He, his whole career. And because he has that seven jersey on his back, he's just been crucified for anything wrong, yeah. for any team he's ever played for. And I'll never agree with it. And since he, I think having all this criticism and all this pressure and all this, let's call it bullshit, unwarranted bullshit, no, no one's protected him his entire career, like yeah. Kurt Robinson. There's still a bus at Sydney Roosters headquarters with Flanagan's head underneath it. Um, like, with all this, I think in five, six years' time, he's going to be one of the best halfbacks in a long, like, best halfbacks in the comp by far. I just think that he's already had to deal with so much going into his career that if he can start playing consistently like he is now and shake off that shit, He's just going to get better and better. And I, I think I, one thing here is, despite all the buying and stuff, I still don't think there's pressure on the Bulldogs. So I think most people still recognise how poor a team they are. And he's just going to... I don't well, think he's got any competition moving like, forward. So. Yeah, at, at the Roosters, he was the highest try-scoring halfback and had the most points in the NRL. So most, most halfback tries in the comp. Yeah. And most points in the NRL in the comp when he and that and that was his last year at the Roosters, and it was just completely just see yeah. you later. And then at the Bulldogs, because they just when he rocked up, he literally had no forward to speak of. He's going to create momentum for him. Now they've got some semblance of a forward pack. You can see see he's going back to what he was doing at the Roosters. If I had a cloning machine, I'd love to be able to just clone like six Luke Thompsons and be like, there's my forwards. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. So this one's considered an upset. And I'm like, all right, this one could have been upset to the bookies. To me, this is a 50-50. Like, he was coming off a... Flogging. They yeah. flogged Newcastle, sorry. Yeah, flogging Newcastle. But sorry, I was thinking more so the week before that. And then they responded. And like, technically... Like on the books, it's a home game, but obviously it was in Darwin and they have been going there for what, six years now or something, eight years now. And so they've got a big following up there and there was some silence around when Cowboys scored a couple of their tries. The Cowboys have been having a quietly good year. They're sitting at five and three now, uh, ahead of, I think, where most people would have them. And when they are on, damn, they are good to watch. Like they are just much watch footy at the moment. The, the inclusion of Scott Drinkwater and will be the first to say that he has his defensive defensive deficiencies, but there are few, few players in the comp that are as exciting to watch as he is when he gets the ball. The Harbour Bridge pass that he just ripped to Felt and then Felt single-hand catch to bring it in. I think it just got there faster than Felt was realising he had to get his hand out um, to catch up with it. Uh, Felt's finishing ability. Tamalolo's getting his footwork back at the line. The return of Hammer feed out off the bench and then just his pure speed while it looked like he was jogging and just left Gutherson grasping at air. Um, 
Nanai, Lukey, Tulagi. Consistency is going to be an issue. We, we've said that, but oh, they are good to watch. They, they're yeah, just so look, much fun. Look, okay, so two weeks ago, Parramatta got beaten by one point over with Tigers, and then they came out and absolutely destroyed Newcastle. And then this week is this week is the probably the third of the result. You know, lose by three. Next week, going to lose by one. Sorry, win by one next week. Yeah, it's just everyone's been pumping Parramatta up. They've had a premiership team for the last three years. And for me, the biggest criticism is the edge of defence. But the second biggest criticism is their consistency and their, their, their will to be dominant. Like, to be lost to the Tigers. And I said this was... Newcastle game is going to be a very variation of how they're going to react to losing to a bottom team. They came over and fucked up Newcastle. And then this week, they're like, oh, you know what? We've done our job. Let's go up to Darwin and just, you know, walk walk it in. Like, there wasn't any urgency, even when they first ran on the field. Like, there's nothing there. And I just... I, 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 I just don't... I don't yeah, if you play like that, you're definitely not. 15 0 at half time, no pressure on Holmes for his field goal at the end of the half. They were already thinking of the break. Felt had already wrapped up. Sorry, he hadn't. He'd wrapped up two thirds of his hat trick by then. Hayes Perham got over at consolation the 63rd minute, and then the Cowboys piled on three more after that. And Drinkwater got his deserved one in the 78th minute. Outside of Hammer's inclusion off the bench, the other like eye-catching moment were all the memes around Brad Arthur and how many water bottles he has. And it was even funny because it was up in Darwin. He would have had close to a carton on the desk in front of him of water bottles for him and the assistants. And there was stuff saying, like, isn't drink water on the Cowboys? Um, that's one way to get take the Cowboys full back out of the game. And uh, it was... That was the majority of the attention on Parramatta. And they were just out-enthused, out-energised, and literally outplayed. And the Cowboys are sitting third on the table because their foreign against is already up to 82. And they're only behind, obviously, the Panthers and Storm. Same points as Sharks and Eels, uh, but their foreign against is better. So... Whether they'll keep it up consistently for the rest of the season, uh, we get to see. But I, I didn't see it as an upset. I'm not shocked by the win at all. I'm shocked by maybe the, the margin, but they were well worth the money for me. Um, Storm wrapped up 120 points in two weeks uh, with a 50-2 to two victory over the Knights. And I sent a, a little clip to... Jared, I think this morning, saying that the Knights have just signed penalty goal to a three-year deal uh, due to their consistent scoring ability. Um, and the Knights' highest yeah. point score over the last two weeks. Holy so, yeah, um, two things on this. Newcastle, a uh, few things, sorry, a few things. Newcastle. We're going to do we're gonna do these ones quick, remember? Okay, Newcastle aren't playing well. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they're playing like shit. 
They're just not playing for each other. Like I said last week, they're just yeah, but um, O'Brien's comments and the thing that he he saw improvement from last week, a lot of people are baking him for it. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? Like, you got worse? Tell, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Just, like, you, you can't... There's that old saying, you, you only get a certain amount of roastings per year. And he can't just publicly rip into his team two weeks in a row for me. Um, Maybe they need to go Bulldogs and like spit roast. <laughs> fucking right. Good, <laughs> Good and Barrett. Fuck, yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, I'm tired. I can't believe I said that. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a Jared comment right that's there. So um, bad. But inevitably, inevitably from this, uh, Newcastle being criticised for letting Pierce go for their recruitment. Easy story. Um, you know, yeah, it's just that they're, they're the media are just picking the bones in Newcastle right now, whereas no one's ever questioned their recruitment before this. Um, no one's ever... I, I questioned letting go of Pierce when it happened, but now Clune's in the radar because he's not a very good player. Um, they could have talked just, about how good Tepo Moroa's been coming off the bench. They could have talked about the superhuman effort of Justin Olam's uh, despite the horrible defense. They yeah, could have talked about how so he many... dropped Xavier Coates from fantasy, then he gets four and then a hat trick. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, no, there's so many positives for Melbourne, but it, it's just an easier story. To pick. Um, I'm hoping, you know, Pong actually brought up a good point for next two to three weeks, actually travelling. Yeah, you got the Cowboys get, next. Yeah, Cowboys, and I think <laughs> the Gold Coast, and then I think the Magic Round or it's something like that. Like, it's... They're traveling for the next couple of weeks. And I said that last week. They just need a week off footy. Like, just to the tractors and sprinkled here and there. It's like, yeah. you know, bonding sessions or something. I don't know. We all know individually these guys have a skill that is not gelling and they need to find a way to gel. But moving on, next game. Next yeah, game we don't need to talk about the storm first. too much. Um, they're as good as they were the last week, but if you want to watch some incredible tries and ball movement and horrible just, defense, yeah. Yeah, just Jump awesome stuff, but watch that. And then to finish off the week, uh, not the most... How are we going to say take this one? You watch more of this one than I did. We'll go that way. Dragons 12... Uh, defeating the West Tigers six. Uh, late try to Jaden O. Well, not late try, but the second try for the Dragons by Jaden O'Sullivan in the 69th minute end up being the match winning try. Uh, Luke Brooks did get across in the 74th minute um, to add on to a penalty goal from Hastings in the 25th minute. Was not enough for the Tigers to mount a comeback. And Zach Lomax, two for two with the boot. Ben Hunt, the halfback we're talking about, who's moving up the Dallium leaderboard with a try of his own in the yeah, 56th ben. minute. Oh, 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 Wally's not active on socials about that one. And what he said, <laughs> watch out, Storm, <laughs> next week. Uh, Dragons are coming yeah. for you. So with that three-point performance, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I believe, for Ben Hunt, he's actually up to 13 points on the Dallium leaderboard, two points behind the leader, Ryan Pappenhausen, and in a tie with Isaiah Yo. And ahead of Mitch Moses, Nico Hines, and Daily Cherry Evans, the three closest half. Yeah, we oh, we did say at the start of the year we, we fought Dragons would have a good year. Um, this game, 
lot higher quality than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. It was, wasn't too bad. We, we, I love we're it. It's a about lot it. higher quality and finish with wasn't too It'll bad. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the quality, like, considering three weeks ago, if we saw this game, and he, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. It just, it just sounds, sounds brilliant. Yeah, like they put a better game on than I thought they would. Um, we, we spent a lot of time, well, I spent a bit of time talking about sporting. Um, Moses and Byers. Not as dangerous as Tyrell Sloan in attack, but he's doing all the one percenters better than Tyrell Sloan would, which is what Dragons need. Um, Wall wants to throw out Jack DeBellin because he doesn't get the plaudits he deserves. Yeah, um, Wall's not uh, on the not Wall's not on the wrap up show, so yeah, so. yeah. So well, what we we'll throw that out uh, out to Wally. His next picks, I'm sure. There'll be bet involving Jack DeBella making yeah. 50 tackles or something this weekend. Um, but yeah, just Tigers, they're just. They're not getting what Newcastle away. aren't. They're what Newcastle aren't. They're having a go. I think that's the best way to put it right now. Like they're not overly skillful. There's a few very strong glaring issues. Um, their back line's not overly flash with, you know, Luke Garner playing in the centers. I wonder how long till Dewey gets back. I no, but what did interest me was their interchange. So 12 minutes before the end of the game, Luciano Leilu went off when it was a close game. Yeah, it was he's very, injured, very, very interesting. I don't know. He walked off pretty fun for me, but I was really curious about that one. And they got in Luciano Leilu's an ankle went off. Yeah, right. Injury. Okay. Well, it was because that, that's probably their biggest loss because Luke Brooks did score that late consolation trip. Try, but again and again, their biggest attacking threat is Leilua because their backline minus Nofaluma and minus Nofaluma, there's not really that much penetration in there, to be honest. Um, oh, oh, Tulagi was back this weekend, the, the trade for the risk. Tawa was really learning fullback, but struggling a little bit in certain parts of it. But overall, the 17 players had a crack. And that's half the half the battle in the NRL, and it's what a lot of players struggle with in the NRL. A lot, a lot of teams actually struggle with this. Like, there, there's two ways to lose, and one of them is like the Tigers lost, where they fought to every tackle in the last to the last minute, and then there's how Newcastle lost, where they kicked the ball out in the fourth half at full half, at start of the game, and then let the ball roll over the dead ball line at halftime. So, you know, there's two ways to lose, and I'd rather lose like the Tigers did than what Newcastle did, and full credit to Tigers. And I guarantee you, no one would have thought to say that three weeks ago. So about three weeks ago, because you're a, you're a Knights boy and Wells a Dragons boy. So both teams, I think we all had between the, let's say, 7 to seven to 10-ish mark on the ladder um, from memory. Now... Looking at both your team's no. runs for the next five weeks, oh, you fuck. looked at it three weeks ago, you would have been licking your lips and Jack um, was like, well, we should beat those teams. We'll probably drop all the points anyway. So Dragons for the next four rounds, they've got the Storm, but then they go Titans, Warriors, Bulldogs. Now he'd be ben looking Hunt's at that going. Destroy the Storm this weekend. 
I heard yeah, it. He said I, that. Yeah. I've got some pretty strong mail on that one. But he'd be looking at them going, you know what? We get three of those four on the three wins that they've had on a trot. Um, that's a pretty good run of games. And then they go into a bye. So not, not too bad. And then I'm looking at the Knights next four weeks. Three weeks ago, you'd be going, you know what? We should get at least three of these four. You got the Cowboys away. And then you go Bulldogs, Broncos, Warriors into a bye. So the Knights three weeks ago, you should be going, oh, yeah, Bulldogs, Broncos, Warriors. There's six points that are up for grabs, really. Um, how interesting three weeks can change. Yeah, I know. Now it you might is... be looking at that going, we're going to the Cowboys. That's going to be tough. Then we're in Sydney well... against the Bulldogs. Then with the Broncos I remember, at home. I remember, I remember six weeks ago after the second game, we finished the podcast by saying, hey, that's yeah, you guys no, are all right. Are on the bottom. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll, oh. I'll tell you about times in one episode. But yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll catch up to you guys on Wednesday night anyway. Um I'm just looking at play. Manly's Tigers, Broncos, Parramatta, Melbourne. Oof. It's actually not looking too fun, gotta be honest. Um <laughs> All right, so I hope you really enjoyed the press conference things and have a look here on the socials for our interview with Dejan Arce. But we will yeah, be back Wednesday. Well, we'll be recording Wednesday night, so we'll you'll hear us Thursday morning. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.